Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another Friday, another podcast, and we're bringing one to you today. While you're listening to this podcast, your boy, Bill T, is over the pond, and I'm in England at the Volksworld Super Show. So hopefully while I'm there, while this is going on right now, I'll be there getting some super rad interviews for some of the guys on uh, in the UK that are doing big things and out of Europe that'll be at the show. So getting a chance to try to get some voices from the other side and uh, the other part of the hobby over there in the UK. So excited about that. I'll be uh, hanging out with a lot of a lot of cool guys over the weekend, a lot of guys I really uh, look up to and enjoy their work and their collections. So I'm super stoked. Uh, picture me having a good time right now. So uh, after that, we'll be cruising through uh, Scotland and some things like that with the wife and kids and checking some stuff out. But yeah, life's too short, guys. Life is too short. If you've been thinking about taking a trip or doing something, now's the time. If there's anything the last couple of years have reminded us is that life is too short and do things you want to do. So uh, um, that's where, that's where I'm at. So, uh, if I can be of any, uh, motivation, inspiration, go do something for yourself. So I wanted to give some shout outs this week for some of those supporters of the podcast and, uh, shout outs for this particular week are going to be JP bouquet. And he's out of, uh, Strasburg VA, Chad Hatfield, uh, out of Kingman, Arizona, who purchased the merch, Kevin, uh, Lang Lois out of Draper, Utah, and Mark Gordon. So I appreciate you guys for supporting the podcast. By the way, all your guys' stuff shipped this last week earlier while I was at my shop. Just getting caught up. I got a couple pieces on back order. You'll see the note in there. And I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. So looking forward to that. Now, don't forget, guys, October's One Crazy Weekend is full go for this year. So the Let's Talk Dubs and the Wagon bring you one crazy weekend, the official event of Vegas. It is in our fourth year. It was a monster last year. So many people made a lot of really good friends, a lot of great connections, tons of stories to tell, and it can only happen here in Vegas. So don't miss out this this year. Go to Let's Talk Dubs website. Click on the Showtime link where it says One Crazy Weekend 2023. The room code is there. Book your room. Now, I can't. I cannot stress this enough, guys. Book your rooms. Even if there's a chance you might not go, book your rooms. Because if you do go, last year, for example, the, the, the rooms were around $100 or less a room, right? Depending on the night that you were there. What happened was there was a big Notre Dame game in town. And then when the room book, uh, people didn't book their rooms, try to get rooms last minute, they were $400 a room. So, Book your rooms now. I can't express that enough. The rest will just fall into place, guys. The guys will be there. The enthusiasts will be there. You can join the poker run, and you can do the um, the car show. So the strip cruise is free for everybody. The car show is thirty bucks. the The poker run is fifty dollars. You think what do you get for fifty bucks? Well, you get a chance to win fifteen hundred dollars in cash. Not to mention you get a T-shirt, some stickers, and some cool stuff. So you don't walk away empty-handed. The T-shirt that you will get is an exclusive Poker Run only shirt. The shirts that are for sale are not the same. It's the same logo. The Poker Run shirts are different. They're always different. So we know who who was the one that was on the Poker Run because you've got an exclusive Poker Run only shirt. You also get a commemorative poker chip. So uh, every year I've given out poker chips with the, uh, the artwork for that year. And uh, it's just kind of cool, a little keepsake, make a keychain out of it, do whatever, put it in your cabinet. We all got collectibles, so... It's just something cool to do, but 
most importantly about the weekend, man. It's just a great time with a lot of really great people hanging out in the parking lot, hanging out in the lounge, in the bar, at the 21, at the roulette wheel. <laughs> it don't matter. There's people hanging out all over the place at the pool area, but it's definitely a great time. Everybody that's gone has had an absolute blast. So we're expecting even bigger numbers this year for the fourth annual. So I'm excited. I'm super pumped up for this year's show. So you guys should get pumped up too, because October will be here before you know it. So, well, on today's podcast, well, let me not jump into today's podcast just yet. Don't forget to support our sponsors. Our sponsors are Ross Wolf, high quality aftermarket parts built for enthusiasts by enthusiasts. So go check them out at rosswolf.com. Also, VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. Go to his website. Go to Dan's website. Bombard him with emails of your cars to feature. What made VW Trends Magazine cool in the past was the uniqueness of their feature. So I'm certain they're looking for some unique cars to feature out there. So make sure you guys go and subscribe and also support VW Trends Magazine, a sponsor of the podcast since the beginning. So uh, we've been stoked to be partners with VW Trends Magazine, helping them support while we support them. So uh, appreciate all they do over there. Also, if you're looking for a cool car to get built, man, go check out Lanny Hussey Custom Cars. Go follow him on Instagram. He's mostly active on his Instagram channel. Check out what Lanny's up to. He's also doing the great Canadian bug. And matter of fact, I ran into the general, the type theorem this weekend. Matter of fact, I I interrupted an entire meeting. My boy Paul Davis was there and Critter was there. I ran into these two guys and they uh, they were in the middle of a, a military meeting with the type three army and I burst in the doors and I said, what is going on? We started chatting it up and we talked about uh, someone brought up doing a cruise, doing a cruise to Texas or doing a cruise to uh, California or a uh, cruise to Florida. And I'm really thinking about, I've always wanted to do it, and I think they've opened the border for us, is the Great Canadian Buggin' that's going to be, or the Great Canadian Weekend that they're doing, they got coming up. Lanny Hussey's going to be involved in that, so I'm going to reach out to him. We'll get him on the, on the podcast soon. I mean, if you guys hit me up in my DMs and my emails, let me know who would be down to drive. I'd start here in Vegas, meet up with some people from Southern California, probably meet right around the Grapevine, and then the cruise continues. I think we need to bring it back from days of old, guys. You got plenty of time to get your cars right to make that cruise up to the northern border. I think that would be such a blast. So think about that, guys. I think that would be such an awesome opportunity for us to get together and just do a big monster cruise from Southern California, Southern Nevada, Phoenix. All these guys get together and we all hit the border, invade the border at Canada for the great Canadian VW weekend. So I don't know exactly what they're calling it right now. I'm going to go shooting from the hip right now, but uh, you know how I do. But I'll reach out to Lanny. We'll get some more details on that, see if we can't hammer out a date, and maybe make a plan for the week prior to the event that we do a big cruise to that show. I mean, I think it would just be it would be epic, man. It would be like the days of old. Days of old relive where everybody actually has a credit card to call a tow truck now. But you don't need to call a tow truck because we got VW people, man. We'll fix it on the road and keep you moving. So I think that would be a great time. On today's podcast, we've got some more guys from out here in the Southwest, the desert region. That's right. The desert VW guys are all where it's at. So we got Levi Weir with Pandraggers on the podcast today. He's been doing big things, or should I say low things in the VW world for a long time with a focus on suspension and drag some pants. So we're going to talk about pan draggers. We're going to talk about how he got into the scene. 
We're going to get all that good information and might dip into some Randar Randy talk a little bit. Who knows where it goes? Who knows where it goes? Either way, let's get into it this week with Levi Weir, Pandraggers on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Levi, what's up, buddy? What's happening? Hey, man, just uh, I know we've been talking for a little bit about getting you on the podcast, and we got you here now. And you know, was talk about a little bit in the intro about pan draggers and stuff like that. But you, you know, the way we always start the podcast is, what's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? All right, so probably about fourteen, maybe fifteen years old, mm-hmm. uh, going to the Albertsons right around the corner from my house. I'm checking out Hot VW's magazine, and I uh, just knew that I, at that point I wanted one because I hung out with dudes that were, you know, into muscle cars and into big American cars, and uh, I just wanted to be different. So a dude around the corner from my house, uh, his name was Jake, I actually went to school with him. He had one, and I just talked him into selling it to me. I pushed it home. My dad told me I was a retard because <laughs> uh, it was in pieces and it needed everything um, but that's how it started and it just it took off from there and then had that for a little while drove it uh, all the way through high school um, so I hung out and went to high school where everybody had like really flashy cars mm-hmm. and then here I come in a slam Volkswagen that's leaking oil because I didn't know what I was doing it was slammed the wrong way um, it was just super loud but I, I drove that to I drove that all the way through high school, so that's how it started. So, since the beginning, have you always kind of leaned towards like more kind of uh, road relics, kind of patina rides and stuff like that? Yeah, um, just because growing up and and doing and taking the trade where I went with uh, body and paint, taking care of a painted car is kind of a pain in the ass. So <laughs> I. Right. I uh, I just let more towards the, you know, original paint cars were super cool um, or cars that were already done, you know, needed a little bit of love, but not terribly gone. And um, it was just a lot easier to take care of, a lot easier to just jump in them and smash around versus, you know, clean your car for four hours on a Friday night. Like I had better things to do than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. And then you, when you start, how did you start getting into the industry? I mean, did you start working for people, helping people out? Did you just start working out of your garage? Like what did you do to get started? Yeah, dude, I was uh, actually hanging out. My neighbor had a Volkswagen. That's how I got back into it on round two. Um, he had a pretty cool, uh, it was actually red oxide primer, white walls, super cool vintage looking car. And I kept walking by him like, dude, I got it. I finally met him younger cat. Um, he introduced me to a couple people that needed some, uh, stuff done on chassis, needed pans welded in. And I was already doing all that fab stuff. So, um, got kind of going back in with the shop deal on that. And then really once I started doing that, it just took off and I started doing a lot of different stuff, doing beams and chassis and 
you know, you name it, I was trying to do it. So who, who were you doing fab stuff for? Were you working did so, you do job welding and stuff? Yeah. So I was doing, I actually worked for, I actually worked for a couple of race car places here in Phoenix. Um, and was doing that stuff. So I was traveling around doing race car stuff. So, you know, if you work in a race shop, especially a smaller one, like, like, like I was a part of, they, uh, you know, it was, you know, you figure out how to tack weld first and then it goes from there. So, um, you know, luckily I had a couple old dudes that were willing to show us how to, you know, younger dudes, how to get down and, and do the, th- and do it. So, um, yeah, just working at race shops in and out and doing all that and hanging out with some of my buddies, their dads were welders and, it just, uh, it just blossomed from there, honestly. So people were needing like, Hey, I need pan halves put in or whatever. And you're like, yeah, well I weld no problem. That's no big deal. Then you just it kind yeah. of evolved from there. Yeah. I started doing some stuff for John. Uh, he owned, he had taken over for Carl. Uh, well, it was an old shop here. Carl's customs in Phoenix. Um, his business partner, that was a, well, that's a whole nother ball game. But anyways, they had a shop Carl's customs. It was a prominent shop at one time in Phoenix. Um, kind of died out and then john and and uh, i think his name was marty ended up buying it um so i was doing work for him doing chassis stuff for him and um just building beams and whatever you know whatever he needed uh, that's honestly how it started and it just took off from there now you're a big air guy right yeah so i was doing uh, i was doing the air ride stuff on mini trucks and everything else you could possibly put air ride on for a long time that was my my jam and then uh, i built my first when i built my the first rendition of my oval rag was static you know just low as it could possibly be um you know i could push a pack of cigarettes with my car so it wasn't uh we weren't driving across town you know with with great ease i had to carry wood with me everywhere i went and i was like dude this is not this is not fun anymore man this is not cool (laughs) And so you, you ended up, you, you thought like, I've got to get the suspension to articulate. Cause it, I mean, nothing looks, I, I'm, I mean, look, I'm a shiny car guy, bro, but I, I'll be honest. There's nothing looks meaner than a freaking car just laying on the ground. But I'm also a guy where I like, okay, well, you know, I got a little older and I'm like, yeah, but how do I, you know, haul my, this with me and that, and then get stuck on a speed bump or whatever the case is, you know? So <laughs> it's just, it's like the natural progression. Right. And so how do you, when you start getting into the suspension part what's the first thing everybody's just doing just narrowing beams narrowing cutting and turning or and then and then and then who's the first person you see do bags yeah so everybody was just cutting and narrowing and, and doing their thing and um, a lot of them weren't doing you know they weren't new, using new tubes so they were trying to clamp together old stuff and put adjusters in it and i just never liked the way that looked um, aesthetically it's not very pleasing and it's really a pain to keep them square and keep them all good. So I started building full, you know, fully new, new steel tube, new everything for the beam. And, uh, I had followed Matt Watts at punch drunk for a long time. Um, actually had talked to him, you know, at great length about doing air ride and, uh, kind of explained some ideas I had. He was like, look, man, I'm getting out of the game. I, I, but I don't want to sell to a big company. I would rather sell to somebody small. Um, if you want to, if you want to buy my stuff, you can take it and run with it. It's already ready to go. Um, so I worked on that for a few months and we finally came to a number. I drove, I, I did the 27 hour round trip from my house in Phoenix to basically Oakland and back. Yeah. Um, uh, bought all the stuff from him and then made a few changes cause I just didn't like the way it worked. So made a few changes and, 
and just started doing them uh, like Matt was doing, uh, obviously with my couple tweaks. And that's pretty much how the front beam, the single bag beam for me, the evolution went. Um, we're on probably version probably three now. Um, changed some things, didn't like some things, um, changed bags. So now, so let's talk about um, <clears throat> the guy from Punch Drunk a little bit. So you kind of liked what he was doing as far as the the way he was doing some stuff like that, talking to him. And then he was, what was his reason for getting out of the scene? He he was just to the point where he's like, man, you know what? I, I want to go do, he was a Nissan. He's actually a pretty big Nissan dude. He, he likes the early stuff. So um, he was like, look, man, like I, I got an opportunity to go do this uh, regular job. Um, at the time he was doing, I believe it was drywall, honestly, but he's like, I got a chance to do some other stuff with construction. Um, they're going to pay me an extremely high amount of money to do it. Um, so it's be foolish for me to not do it. And he was like, look, man, I just, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take on any more orders that I can't fulfill. So he finished up, I think he finished up pretty much what he had. I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure there was a couple people that got left hanging and, and that is what it is, but uh, he bounced out and I just basically took over and built the first one. Like, like the next day, man, I literally drove there, came home. He had enough pieces and parts for me to put it, put together a few. So I literally came home and slammed one together, uh, put it in my car and just started driving until I broke it and then figured out what I broke and made the change. <laughs> Yeah, what's well, interesting is as you said this, I kind of did a quick web search on Punch Drunk Customs, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> apparently he wasn't. I mean, you know, sometimes people get in over their head, right? They they start yep. they start selling some stuff, and then they they the orders keep coming in. They can't they can't keep up with production, and then they kind of get a little bit behind. And that's probably it's, that's probably the number one rule in business. If anybody's going to be in business and they're the, they're a fabricator welder, don't take any money until your product's done because you're going to get yourself in a world of hurt because all of a sudden you got money in your pocket and you can kind of, and, and you gotta, you gotta use that barrier of taking money in to keep your discipline to like, I'm not taking money until I have some product for these people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, <clears throat> but so you go up there and take what you can from him as far as any type of components and pieces that you can put together or jigs to weld up beams and stuff like that. And yeah, he gave me uh, he gave me a bunch of parts, man. He already had a bunch of stuff laser done uh, that were already bent. And, you know, everything was already formed. Um, literally drove to his house. Uh, homie gave me a flash drive. He gave me a flash drive with two different uh, loadouts on it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, look, man, he goes, I don't know if this one's corrupted, but this one's not. So here's all the stuff that I built, created, have tried, have done. Um, it's yours, dude, take it and run with it. And, you know, if you got any questions, he's like, just hit me up and I'll, uh, I'll help you out however I can. So now <clears throat> let's talk about air suspension for a minute here with air suspension. You know, I, I don't have any cars that are on air and well, let me rephrase that. I have Jan Blair's Steve connects notchback, which Jan Blair yes. owned and then Jan Blair put air shocks on it. So, and what's funny is when I talked to Steve connect who built that car in 87, he had air shocks on the front to, to, to get in and out of places as far as, so, I mean, we can go back to air shocks being suspension that goes back to way back, but it, it's really an air shock. It's not suspension. Cause once you pump those things up with air, it's like a brick, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like the OG version half point oh, you know, before anybody, there's no management at all. It's like, get a compressor, air it up, 
let the air out whenever you get where you're going. Well, um, and they, everybody was taking that stuff from the muscle car guys, man, because they all had those crazy hijacker air shocks in the back of a Nova, you know, and the thing was sitting stink bugs. So they just cram a bunch of air to it, get them up as high as they can and take off. Dude. Right, right. It was wild. And so, you know, the, the evolution of air then goes, because I, I know I'm pretty sure that's what Pete was doing back in the day. I mean, everybody's just using like an air shock, which an air shock then means all your suspension is really in your tires. And most of us run low profile tires. It gets to be not the smoothest ride, you know? And I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at this and you know, the front beam, I remember when KCW did a beam in the notch back that they had, and they had a single bag beam type one beam in a notch. And then I actually drove that car cause I had a car painted by them a long time ago. And I drove that car and it had square tubing through the torsions and just a single bag, but then the, the then the end result is you don't have the articulation of the torsion left to right. You know, it's kind of locked in place. And so there's been a lot of a lot of variations of that. Where are we at today with air suspension? In your opinion, like, do we have full setups, front, rear, that like fully articulate, ride really nice? I mean, you know, because most of most of the people that you're either really into air or you're not. You know, and I don't really see a middle of the road type thing, you know, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big division. Cause there's the static guys that are like, Nope, it's static or nothing. And, and a lot of those cars ride just fine. Um, but when you want to get down and get low, low, you know, dragging on the ground, man, static, it's like driving a two by four, you know, it's just bouncy and real rough. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, <clears throat> I mean, it's not a driver's car. I mean, some people are like, yeah, I drive mine wherever. Like, that's great. You're destroying the car because you're grinding the pan down. And then you've got <laughs> such wicked bumps here. And forget it if you hit a street that's had heavy trucks on it and it starts to get low spots uh. where, where the tires are. <laughs> then you're just going to high center on the street. You know yep, what I mean? You're stuck. Listen, like a beached whale, but it's over. Yeah, there's like, there's a lot of commitment to cool. And, and I'm not that committed to cool to where I got to be stuck in the middle of the road pushing my car off the side. And so with with air suspension, um, what to you is like the ulti- like the ultimate setup? And it, I mean, uh, I've seen some some wild stuff being built. Um, you know, the biggest thing is 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 a lot of guys. You know, they they want to run monster. You know, big bags and and you really can't unless you have an early car. You know, like the back of my car is on my on on a Pandragger's air ride setup. Um, you can run dominators in the back of an oval. But as soon as you get out of that body style or that chassis with the straight shock towers, no turn, you got to shrink the bag size down, which doesn't really kill you. But, um, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, everybody wants to try to do something where they got big bags. And, and so it's super soft, but we just don't have the room to make all that stuff fit just because we have, there's, we're, we're dealing in a very small box that, you got to try to put something that doesn't belong and it still has to move and it has to be strong. So you kind of screwed, but the rear, the rear of the car is easy. The front of the car gets a little tough because a lot of guys don't want to cut, you know, they want to leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's why the air shocks are still a thing. So to do, um, to do the proper, I mean, ultimately the best in my opinion the best way to air a car would be to air them the front end. You know what I mean? Then you then you can put bags in it and do everything you gotta do. But then, you know, I see a ton of dudes doing off-road setups with A-arms, and I think the reason they're getting away with it is because they're pushing the front suspension out. 
And yeah. the, the challenge of the Volkswagen is you've got all that tied up in there. Now, have you tried, have you done any air on somebody that's done an air in front suspension? Like one of those, one of these newer ones? I have messed with the car here in Phoenix at the front ends on a Mendiola. It's on a Mendiola um, a arm setup. Actually, mm-hmm. it might be, it might even be from Kevin Zagar at cool rides, honestly. Right, uh, right. But I have messed with that thing um, a little bit here and there. It's, pretty much there but i just don't know if he'll ever get the car done it actually works pretty decent um i mean he can three-wheel that car just like an impala like no big deal at all All um so there is that stuff just that that's a big commitment too because the amount of welding and the amount of stuff you got to put on that front on the bulkhead area you know a lot of people are not capable of doing right or they don't want to or they don't want to you know that's a a lot of money that they don't want to have to pay somebody too well done so it's a that's definitely a give and take but honestly if you could do that to every car it would be a thousand times easier because you would get you would have way better steering um setup and way better travel Mm -hmm. than we have with a beam yeah that's what you know i i keep thinking with you know that the biggest challenge that we have is the articulation of the beam right the torsion design and <clears throat> you know, on my uh, on my bus, I'm doing that hydraulic setup, and then that's that seems to be like the next the the next evolution of where things go because then you're just quickly rearticulating the fixed points of the torsion housing. You still, at least on my bus, you got to cut up a ton. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> listen, hindsight being twenty twenty, man, I'd probably be in a di- I'd probably be in a different scenario uh, than I am today with that bus if I. Like it as as I stood back and looked at the the pile of metal on the ground of what I did to get that suspension in there, and not as much that, but more the time that I waited and then the incompleteness of the kit that I got would be more. I'd kind of I, I would I would have, um, I would not recommend. You know what I mean? Like like it's not. Yeah. It's definitely not. You know this kit that I got, and I'm gonna go into it kind of at length when I when I do a podcast on when I finally get it up and going. Cause it's still not I'm down two years and it turned into like a, you know, I'm going to take my, the goal was I'm going to take the bull run bus. I'm going to do a roof swap on it, make it a 21 window because I always wanted a 21 and I don't want to buy another bus. I'd rather just have it be my bus and then quick roof swap and be done with it. And then I was like, you know, what would be rad? Well, you know, this happens every time. Then this, then this. Then this which, <laughs> and you know. then we're going to do this. Yeah, and and here, then we're going to do that. Here I am, 2023, and, and the, bus is, uh, the bus is not, I can't even steer it at this point. So I've got the suspension mock, the suspension's bolted in, everything's situated, uh, still missing steering components to make it work. And uh, we get some, hopefully some time in that sooner or later at my brother's shop. And uh, he's going to help me get that thing. Uh, him and Michael at Dubfab are going to kind of help me get that thing, at least where I can steer the car. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, there, there's, a, and that's, and that's been like the evolution, right? In the Volkswagen world, it's never been like short of the Mandiola suspension, which is now owned by Kevin with Cool Rides. When I interviewed him and I said, well, you know, who designed the suspension? Was it engineers or just a dude in his garage? And, and, and you know, Mendiola had a close relationship with Fox shocks and Fox suspensions. So the engineers yep. over there kind of put the engineering to it with the coil sizes and all that and all that stuff to make it work. The challenge, again, the challenge is you're really compact in the space and you can really only get so much articulation, you know, because you, you just have, there's only just so much room to work in that triangle short of 
those off-road cars that just do, drop a little yoke off the front and it's six inches yeah. wide and they got those arms that are dropping like crazy. I've, <clears throat> I've often thought of like, su- have you ever worked on a super beetle to do air suspension? Cause they have struts in them. Right. And so I would think, you, yeah, I would think you could probably buy air struts for a super and have those. Yeah. You can change, you can change a bunch of stuff on a super, especially <clears throat> without top plate being the way it mounts. Right. Um, Cause it's a McPherson strut car. So it's, it's not like it's crazy one-off, you know, ancient technology. Cause there's still a lot of cars that are, you know, a lot of new cars are strut cars. So mm-hmm. you can do a lot of stuff to a super. You just gotta be again, man. You, like you said, you gotta be committed to, you're going to start it and you're going to roll all the way through it because a lot of dudes get about halfway through and then they realize they still got to buy a tank, a compressor, switches, valves, and then they'd end up selling the project because they're like, dude, I'm just too much money in it and I don't have enough to finish it. So, well, I, I mean, yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think realistically, you know, I'm looking on your website and your, your, your air suspension, your rear bolt on kits, 2,300 bucks. And it comes with, you know, uh, a bunch of parts and pieces for the rear, for the rear suspension. And I, you know, I think when you're going to make that, I mean, really, what does it cost to have your car be able to go up and down at the push of a button versus, you know, being stuck, being, being there static and static looks hard. I mean, it looks super cool, but then you have also the issue with <clears throat> the geometry of the front suspension and, you know, you got to put the length in arms. You got to do, I mean, there's, there's, yep. a, there's a ton of stuff to do. So by the time you're going to do suspension, and I think even if you do nice suspension all the way around, it's going to cost you four or five grand to do that suspension, you know, but it's like, do you want a drivable car? You know, yeah, exactly. Do you, do you want to have options or do you want to just be, that's the only road we got and that's what we're doing. Um, air rides about the same thing, you know, four to five grand, you can do a, you can do a pretty decent setup at that point. Um, obviously with prices going where they're going, um, you know, it may be very from that, but, uh, you can do a bunch of stuff with basic parts and it work really well. It just depends on how much homework you've done. Yeah. And, and with the, so in respect to front air suspension, you know, if you really want if you, if you're wanting to bag the front, there's going to be some, there's going to be some surgery needs to be done to fit that bag in there. Now uh, on, do you have, you have a front suspension for, uh, yeah. cause I'm looking on your website trying to find the, the front beam, the, bu- the bus, the bus stuff's coming. Um, I got a couple things left to finish on that and that thing, then that will be back out as well. Um, I did a few, and I don't, I think I needed to make a few changes. So mm-hmm. I actually talked to Michael at Dubfab. He pointed me in a, in a, he pointed a couple things out that I needed to change. Talked to some other guys on uh, social media and they, you know, I've talked to them a bunch. So they pointed out a couple things like, Hey, you might want to check this. Hey, you might want to try that. So those will be coming. The bug stuff's already there. Um, only thing left for me to do to produce is the dual bag for the guy that wants to just, get down and doesn't really care about a spare tire well now um, now with a dual bag setup are you do you independently control the trailing arms on each side with each bag yeah and so you you've split the torsions and you put like two fixed well there's no fixed points you just put two sliders kind of on there yeah so there's just a there's a big there's a big spud that goes in the middle of the beam that has the pivot point mm-hmm. um so everything rides on bearings and it's just uh, at that point there it's just solid square and you're just relying, you're relying on the bag for the suspension. Um, I have done one and it rides amazing. 
and you can three wheel it. You can do all kinds of crazy crap with it. And it's super fun. You just got to be committed to cutting that spare tire well out and not really caring. Right. Well, like, uh, again, like we said, you know, Volkswagen used every little, every little inch they had, they designed that car right around the chassis with the bare minimum, right? There was just, it was yep. a, it was a budget design when they built it. And, uh, you know, they, 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 there was no, there was little luxury, if any. So in respect to air suspension, what's your favorite cars to work on type ones, twos, threes? I mean, what's, what, what, what gives you the most room and the most latitude? Uh, the most, the most room is definitely a bus. You can, you have options, you know, your options are pretty open at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, my go, my still, my favorite car is still, you know, still an early, is still an early bug. You know, that's still my jam. I just like the way they look when they're slammed down on the ground, sitting, you know, sitting as low as they can, as low as they can. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, just, just sitting right. I think they look killer. Uh, but that's just, you know, that's me. I'm a, I'm an oval rag guy. I was that guy at 14 when I saw a couple of hot BWs and I was like, dude, I got to have one. Um, I chased my car for, man, I didn't get my car till I was 28 ish. And it was actually right around the corner from my house from another homie that I knew from doing mini truck stuff. Yeah. He had my car sitting on the side of his house. That's how I got, that's how I got my 53 that I have now. And, um, and you're 53. Uh, what's the, what's the status on the 53? So that's the, that's the test bed for, for everything we've done uh, as far as the company goes. But, uh, I just got a couple things. I, you know, I built it, it was static when I first did it. So it, it took some abuse. Then we did the air ride stuff. Uh, actually me and Mike Bailey over at edge finder. Um, he's the one that he's the one that helped me out do the rear air ride and get all that stuff figured out. Um, we did all that and now it's uh, it needs a little revamp. Um, you know, fenders are torn from being static and just dragging through shit, not really caring. Um, front apron's pretty beat up from banging into things and uh, it just needs it needs some love and we'll get it we'll get it put back together and, and paint it up, put a steel deck lid on. I'm ditching the fiberglass one, put the steel one back on it. Nice. And it'll be hopefully it'll be hopefully we get it done this summer. That way there when it's drive time. Uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Yeah, well, hopefully you be, you bring it down to one crazy weekend so you get to cruise that thing there on, you go. on the on the boulevard with us. Now, talking about um, rear suspension, what what's the big challenge with rear suspension that maybe some people don't understand? A lot of people try to do too much with with the actual link arms themselves. So whatever the bag mounts to. Mm-hmm they try to put too many pivot points in there. And, and while I understand why they do it, it's so that, you know, everybody's car, you can make it work with whatever. Um, but that's the biggest point where they, where they screw up is there's too many pivot points. So it lifts, it's real cumbersome when it lifts and it doesn't lay right. Cause it gets bound up. Um, you know, it doesn't really let, it doesn't really let the force of the bag carry through like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of guys try to, and a lot of guys just rip the rear torsion bars out and just roll with no torsions, which if you got a show car, that shit works all day. Right. But if you're trying to drive it, it's like driving a waterbed at that point, man. It's like, it's all over the place. Back end moves. You get a bushing that's a little wore out and it starts jumping around. So um, you mean they just put the spring plate arm back in there with no torsion housing? Or yeah, no they torsion just bar? The, yeah, they, they just pull the bar out, put the bushing on there, grease that sucker up. <laughs> Slam that, slam it back in there, and off they go. And I'm like, dang, dude, like, 
that's pretty brave. Yeah, I, I don't know. Being around race car stuff, uh, you know, driving a driving a race car that that feels like that, you know, you're you're definitely pulling in the pits and you're changing some things, man. You ain't messing with that. So right. uh, I just don't still know how some of these guys do it on street cars and drive them. So with the so with the suspension that you do for the rear, you're you're utilizing the tox, torsion housings, the torsion bars, or do you do a, like a heim joint? So the rear, so the rear of my car is sitting on adjustable spring plates. Okay. Um, just that way, there the torsion's still in there. You still have that load on that. The spring plate still sits where it's supposed to. And if for, for some reason you ever had a bag problem or a valve problem, you can just run the screw up on the on the spring plate, man, and and continue to drive. Like you could drive home and not be stranded on the side of the road because anybody that's got a hammered Volkswagen that's ever had to have their shit towed, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sucks. Because yeah. the first tow, normally the first couple of tow truck drivers are like, nah, man, like. I can't pick that up or, you know, you see them start to pull their, pull their car up on the truck and you're like, no, 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 no. You're going to ruin everything, dude. Like, stop. We just, we ain't doing this. Yeah. So, so you're, you've, you've got your setup where you have the torsion bars still in it. You, you utilize the adjustable spring plates as a backup in case you need to, in case of emergency, yep. something happens now with an air suspension, like what is the what are some of the more critical things that that cause people because you when you when you hear bad things about air you hear bad things like oh, i was stuck on the side of the road couldn't get nowhere pop the line whatever like what are some of the things that you see people do that are you know big mistakes that are going to cause them problems in the long run well a lot of a lot of guys just try to run you know crazy valves you know uh, a bigger size valve you know everybody thinks that we're still we're still working on mini trucks and we got to have half inch valves and we got to jump it up and down off the ground and it's like dude there's there's really no room in these cars for uh for that half inch line i have seen some guys do it and they've done a really good job at it but you know then at that point there you have you know you have a valve that can have a problem right and inher- and inherently as car guys we all want to mount it at car ladies we all want to mount it where we can't see it Right. Well, if you can't if you can't see it and you don't and it's not somewhere that it doesn't have a panel in front of it, you you're kind of screwed because if it has a problem, you need a jack and some other shit to even try to get to it, which and we now, all do. And now, what size are you? Do you use? Because I would think, especially when you've got a small tank, <laughs> if you've got a small tank and small lines, you can build up pressure faster. I don't know. I mean, I'm no, you know. I'm no air guy, but I would think you could build pressure faster if you've already got static pressure in the bag. You've got some pressure in the bag that you can make it a little more adjustable. Is that is that kind of the philosophy behind it, or um, yeah? So like my car is on my car, my air tank and compressor fit in the suitcase that's behind my behind my back seat. Oh really? Like in the, I don't have a big tank. I mean, I only have a little guy. Um, you know, maybe two gallons if I'm lucky. It'd be two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Viair tank and compressor combo, man. You buy them both. It's 200. It'll, it'll go to 200 PSI. Uh, but I'm just running quarter inch line and, and I'm running quarter inch manual valve, manual paddle valves in the front of my car. I don't have anything special in there. Now what's a manual paddle valve. I'm not, I don't know much about that. So it's just uh, so instead of having a, you know, like a magnet, most of the, most of the valves like what's left or anybody like that, they're, they're running like a magnetic style switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so on these, there is no switch. It's, I literally don't have any, the only electronic business I have going is the stuff that runs the compressor. That's it. Um, 
my my switch is just an up and a down so it basically the dump runs back through the switch so you hear it you know and it's not like uh you know like a a bag truck or a bag car you hear you know the dump is outside uh the manual dumps through the switch so it's loud in the car when you when you lay them down but if I ever have a problem, I can just bypass that with an air chuck, fill it up with air, and I'm driving down the road. Right, right. So you, you, your, your philosophy is like, I want to be able to look cool. I also want to be able to service it, and in case of emergency, keep moving. Like you're, yep. you're trying to put some fail safes in your system in case you know. Because I mean, there's always sacrifices. I mean, no matter what, like if you're trying to lay a car down on the ground, there's always going to be a sacrifice. You know. So. Yeah. Now you're. And that's the hardest part, though, is just knowing that, knowing that you got to give up something to to get what you really want, and you know how bad do you really want that right. at that point? Yeah. Every, everybody <laughs> thinks they've kind of got the uh, they've got the line on on what to do. Now, uh, I I noticed you're also a big Randar wheel dude. Yes, sir. What's the story? What's the connection between you and you and Randy from Randar? All right, so Randy, I met Randy at Barona Speedway. Um, he was actually at the dirt track. I was working on a car that we were running at the dirt track. I had a Volkswagen shirt on. I noticed that he was talking to some people. He had a, you know, he had his double cab was sitting there. So I started talking to him about the double cab, and and it just slowly turned into, you know, I would talk to him back and forth online, and you know, then it turned into text messages and. Honestly, man, before before he got sick the last time, um, we really actually became pretty good friends. Uh, so when he got sick, I told him, hey, send me all the super latch stuff that you have. Mm-hmm. I'll weld it up and send it back to you. And now we're there. All you got to do is send them out. Right. You don't, you don't have to dick with it. You don't got to try to fulfill the order. I'll take care of it and send it back. Well, Randy being Randy, he was like, no, man, we ain't doing that. Like, I was like, all right, I get it. I mean, as a fabricator myself, I totally understand it. So it's all good. But no, we were just, we were good friends. And, you know, he opened a lot of doors for me that honestly would have taken me so long to open up. It wouldn't even be funny. Right. Um, So when he, when he did pass, I was like, I was already trying to buy, Every, any set of wheel I could get my hands on. Now, and that's kind of, and, and maybe one of the cool things, right, being a car guy is, is is one of the cool things when you do leave this earth, you leave a legacy behind, like you made a product or you had something that people are in search of, right? So, um, you know, with that, I mean, what was his motivation as far as were you were you buddies with him talking about when he was getting into the wheels and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, his focus on what he was working on with doing that? Uh, yeah, I, his original stuff was just he was just rehooping uh the Sears the Sears and Roebuck Raider because of the way that they were riveted. Um the hoops would end up with would rust and it would look like shit and the chrome would fall off. So to get them apart you had to pull the rivets out. Uh he was drilling and tapping and basically rehooping those um with a bolt, you know, he was drilling and tapping them so you could bolt them back together with a new hoop, new chrome hoop and be rolling um you know he was doing that stuff uh, that was the early stuff you know then he got into casting his own stuff um you know and that and that 
really got rolling with Dave, uh, Dave Cormack's actually the one that really, I, I honestly, I would say that he really changed the landscape for Randar wheels. Um, when he introduced Randy and Dave deal, Yeah, that was, that's the original, that's the RDW. That's where that came from. Dave deals, the one that designed it. Um, he had the prototype and Dave Cormack facilitated them meeting. And that's really where the RDW started, man. And it just, you know, Randy took it to where he was at. Um, and before he passed away, he was on, he was working on, um, another version of the RDW to basically, uh, kind of like a middle finger to, to the guys that, that were ripping him off and, and copying it and selling them for dirt cheap. So yeah, what's the story behind that? So he came out with the RDW, and then right away somebody knocks it off, or what, what's the story behind? Yeah, that? so that so that was uh, Dave Cormack will laugh though, because that was the that was the Boris and Doris deal out of Germany, and they were trying to do some things and trying to get it uh, to where they had it, and they were selling them. And I don't know the exact ins and outs on that one as far as like true one hundred percent fact, um, but anyways, they ended up kind of going away, and Randy kept doing you know, his stuff. Um, the crazy thing is, dude, is that guy created all that with, you know, it was, it was just him in the shop. Yeah. Obviously later on he had like, uh, like rusty out of Southern California. Rusty was there helping him, uh, do basically whatever, you know, but anybody that knows Randy knows that he wouldn't even let you sweep the floor in the shop cause you wouldn't do it right. You know what I mean? He was just that guy. He was just real picky about the way things were done. And yeah, that's just who he was. So, uh, so total, he made, he made th- three wheels or, or two wheels. So he actually, man, he made a ton of wheels. So he made the Randar, which mm-hmm. is a five spoke flat, five spoke looks like a Raider, but it's not the spokes flat. Mm-hmm. Um, he made uh, a cyclone, which was, uh, a small, a five by one thirty pattern. Then he made a Sultan, which was the wide five version of the cyclone, the RDW, and the circus wheel. The circus wheel was a copy of the of the uh, Walker wheel. Uh, they went defunct in that, and that went away. And he started making that wheel, um, and made a few changes so you could actually run a center cap because the original ones were real rough, and they didn't have a center cap. And he, uh, how was he? Well, I mean, was he getting these wheels? He was getting these wheels cast. Obviously, in a in some place in Southern California, I would think because yeah, he had a he had a foundry not too far away from where he was at. Uh, his shop was actually in Ramona. Um, his uh, he had a foundry not too far away from him that he used. Um, that did all his stuff, did all his uh, all the sand casting and everything for those. Um, so basically, he would just you know, set up and order, you know, X amount and basically show up and the stuff would already be heat treated, just need to be machined. And he would take them, machine them, finish cleaning them up and, you know, sticking them in hoops and setting offset and doing them backspace and all that stuff. That was his jam. And so did, did, is there a number of how many wheels he actually produced? So I don't know if there's actually somebody, I mean, I'm sure that in somewhere in his records, there's something that tells you what he did. Um, like the early Randars, um, I forget what the exact number is, but the early stuff was stamped. So he stamped every number um, of where it fell in the line of what he had produced in that. And then he eventually quit doing that when it just got to be too big. Uh, he just quit doing that entirely and just kept just kept building wheels. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I'm on his scrolling his page on the Samba with uh, just, just his, his photos, and uh, it's, it's nuts the amount of. I mean, I, the cyclone wheels. I, I don't recall seeing tons of those at all. You know what I mean? I no, think so, the cyclone was a, the cyclone was a very, very minimal number produced, uh, and the same with the, the Sultan. The Sultan was not very produced. Um, I actually have a set that just needs to be put in hoops. Um, the, the centers are done. Well, actually, only one center is machined. I have to uh, have somebody copy it and do the rest of the machine on the other on the other three, and then put them in hoops and maybe put them on something at some point. Yeah, and then the uh, and then the circus wheel. That's kind of the. It looks almost like a flat center line with with holes punched in it. Yep. How's that kind of look? Yep. Those I don't that one. That's actually what's on my on my fifty three. I have circus wheels on my car. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen a ton of those circus wheels around. So those might. Be- yeah, the Rand the Randar and the RDW were our, were were two of the most popular designs um, that he did. Yeah. But he did. I mean, he did some crazy he did some crazy ones too, man. I know he did a set of like super dish, deep dish uh, Randars, and I know he did a set of super deep dished. Uh, like big hoops, uh, RDWs, and I believe Ish has those on on the the Casita. I think I think that's what they're on. Yeah. Now there's, I mean, and, and that's and that's you know I think looking back right as a as a guy in the hobby, when you leave this world, if there's still something that you were connected to that you're responsible for creating, I think that's something super cool in my opinion, at least to be connected to something like that. So. That you know, not only did you make something, but you make you made something that's pretty sought after. Because I know the last set of um, RDWs that I saw sold, they sold for like three grand, I think, for a set. And uh, yep. you know, the last ones I saw were listed were like crazy money. I know, I know, I saw a set sell for fifty five hundred, um, and I know that there is another set out there that's a super early set. No, uh, no. Uh, no RDW on the centerpiece, which would make them super early. And those ones are listed at like seven grand. I don't know if he sold them or not. I just saw them and I was like, holy shit, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, mean, I was buying them when it was like a thousand to, to 1500. You know what I mean? Like, and everybody's like, why do you keep buying that? And I'm like, dude, I'm just going to, I want to have one of every set he produced. So I just kept buying and buying and buying. Um, and then he got sick. And I was like, oh, man, like, here we go. So I've had a few people hit me up, man, about about buying some of my wheels. And I just, I'm, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever sell them. I think they'll just stay with me until I go into the earth. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it, it's pretty, you know, and that's really the VW's hobby in a nutshell, right? Like starting your own little business and you're into the hobby to the point where you think to yourself like, well, nobody's making that, so I'll make it, you know, and then I'm going to make this thing that's super cool and if people don't, you know, if people like it, it'll sell. If they don't like it, oh, well, I made a set, you know, whatever. And yep. then even if it's a failure of a product, right, it becomes collectible because there's only one set made. So yeah, exactly. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's, yeah, he did a bunch, of, he did a bunch of crazy stuff, man. He did wheels and then, you know, he did a bunch of stuff like uh, badge bars he made. He used to make ladders for, for buses. Uh, dude, he, he used to do all kinds of stuff, man. He's actually the dude that created the super latch for for the bug windows oh, the big, uh, for the, the rear pop out. The big extended pop out. Yep. So he was he was the dude that that came up with that. I know that uh, I know that the first one <laughs> they actually only put one 
it was on Rusty's uh, oval. They put it on one side, and he drove around like that just to make sure that it wasn't, you know, that it, a it didn't open up too far, and it wasn't a problem for the for the hinge to uh, to have an issue. And he drove around with one pop out for a while and, and, until they until Randy said, "Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's produce them." So, and I actually got the rights to do that uh, from Randy's mom when he passed. She said that, "Yeah, if you want to carry the torch and keep it rolling." Um, and that was my biggest thing, man, is to keep that dude's name out there. Right. Cause it's like a throwaway society, man. If you're gone and nobody mentions your name for, you know, 90 days, man, you're, you're just as good as gone. Right. Right. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, like I said, we, we all want to leave our mark on this world in some way or another. And I think the, you know, through the wheels is pretty cool. Um, the, now I see the, the Randers that he originally did the the five spokes that were kind of a variation of like the Sears wheel, but they were cast right. They weren't. I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming that's kind of where the the influence that design comes from. This one looks like yep. it's got like a little divot in the spoke. Oh, so that's the oh yeah. Then there's the SS wheel. That is actually that actually came from a mistake in the machining process. Yeah. So the first the first one it got a little wild. And it cut like a big old groove in it. And then actually Randy actually took it and ran with it and, and made the program and re and redid the program to actually cut that, that, uh, that section out to, yeah, to relieve, to, to reveal that triangle that's in there. So I wonder, I, I wonder of all the wheels he made, what's the most rare wheel that's out there. The rarest ones, man, are 16 inch wheels. Oh, really? That's like, uh, if you got a set of those, if you got a set of Randar 16s, that's like, uh, that's like the pinnacle, man. I mean, the Sultan, I don't know how many sets were produced of the Sultan, but I don't think it was very many. Um, I don't remember seeing a car with them on there. Um, I know his daughter has a set of, uh, their Randars, but it's, they have like a weird, uh, rectangle block that is raised on the bottom like the bottom side of the spoke closer to the hoop. Uh, it has like a raised block. I mean, I, I don't know if there was very many of those or if that was just, I believe that was just a one and done kind of deal. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, and so how many sets of Randars do you have? I own seven sets. Oh, seven set. What, what styles? <laughs> so I have, I have all of them. The only one I don't have, um, is the cyclone that's the only one that i do not possess and that's the but i have the i have the wide five version i have the salt i have one set of salts so the cyclone is the tight is the five is a five on 130 pattern yeah yeah it's a five on 130 pattern yeah it looks like he made uh he made rear uh rear bus plate uh let's say rear bus plate light visor light yeah he did that that was a cast he had that that was a cast deal i have a few of those no, that's, I got, that, uh, that goes on the rear deck lid. Is that where that goes? Yep. Over the license yeah, plate? It was for the, yeah, it was for the flat. It was for the flat deck lids um, to put the license plate out. It actually uses like a uh, like a Gia uh, license plate light inside of it. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, he, that dude, did, he made all kinds of stuff, man. It was, you know, I, I mean, he was obviously known for the wheels being that his Randar wheels. But, uh, yeah, he did all kinds of wild stuff. Yeah. No, I... Uh, I I, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the more I know about something, the more I start to appreciate it. And maybe that's kind of, cause I never kind of got the Randar wheel thing when he was making them. I was like, yeah, cause I was never a wide five guy, right? Like I always liked 
I've always I always go right to Porsche pattern and and go to a tight pattern so I can go a little different. You know, we we all got different yeah. styles. You know. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> no, but I think the more the more that uh, I figure out about these things, the more uh, the more I I really start to like them. So. Yeah, I just yeah, I got uh, I have quite the collection of Randar stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's pretty impressive to have seven seven sets of those wheels. So uh, you just need a car for each set, right? Right. That's all that's what we're working for. We gotta get we gotta get a dope house ride for each set and they all gotta lay on the ground. Uh, you know what I mean? So we'll we'll see if we can get that done. Yeah, no, that's rad, man. So what's uh so what's anything new uh, that you're working on that you're uh, that you're gonna be coming out to to the market on or are you just busy because at your shop you do more than just suspension you do full builds over there right yeah so i i started out i'm actually a paint uh a painter and body man by trade um so i do do that uh, i got into working in hot rod shops and doing metal work and i found that super fascinating so i got i kind of did that too um i try to i've limited it down because i i did what everybody does like we talked about earlier right take on too much work and then you're drowning and you don't know how to get out so you got to send some projects home and you know, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be somebody's favorite for a while, but it is what it is. Right. Um, so now I'm down to, we're just trying to do two, trying to just do two a year, um, and try to keep it limited to that. Uh, just because the rest of it's so we're so busy with the rest of it, man. It's just me and one dude that works for me, Austin. Um, so we're just, we're just cranking, man, just banging away. So hopefully in, in the next couple months, man, I bring out the, I, I'll actually bring my bus beams to market. Um, the first ones I come out with will probably be just the standard adjustable one, mm-hmm. uh, to, to fill that void. And then, uh, I'll make the, the necessary adjustments to the air ride beams and, and that'll be out as well. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, there's, there's tons of, there, there's so much market people can't keep up with it. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, well, it's crazy. I mean, even if you order some stuff from Nate at wagons West, I think you're going to be waiting four or five months to get some stuff. Yep. Just, everybody's just so. And it was always a surprise because I never thought the market was that big. And there's so many people making beams, so many people making so many things. But everybody I talk to is like they just can't they can't keep up with the pace of production of of the demand, you know. So yeah, and it, and, it, and it all comes down to marketing, man. A lot of the, there's a couple guys out there that market themselves really well, and you know, and then there's then there's the rest of us. I don't really even advertise, which is kind of dumb, but. I really don't. If you follow me on social media, then, you know, that that's kind of how I did my thing. Man, I tried to just really grow organically and let it grow and be what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's to the point now where it's time to just start pushing and, and start making some moves and making some changes and, and just really just get it pointed in a direction and hammer down and see what happens. Yeah. And now, um, so with reference to pan, pan draggers is, is, Pandragger's products is your business and Pandragger's is also your car club that you're in. Yes, sir. So who store, who started Pandragger's? So Pandragger started in my garage because, uh, I'm in Arizona at that time we had, there wasn't a whole lot of, of club stuff going on. There was, you know, a few big ones, but you know, they had all this stuff. You had to pay dues and you had to do this, you had to do that. And we were hanging out with the same five guys anyways. So when it first started, man, it was, uh, you know, Mark Riga used to call it the cult. So, you know, what are we, do, what are we doing in the cult today? You know, what's the deal? And, uh, that was the joke. And then that's really what started. It was, we all hung out together anyway. So we just said, forget it, man. Let's just, let's just get it rolling and, and do our thing. And 
then it kind of grew. We, we, we blew up for a little bit and then, um, you know, some guys left and sold cars and did whatever and moved on in life. And Hey man, that's fine. It's all good. So we just regroup and keep moving. Well, I think you, I think after a while you kind of start to figure out that, you know, you're the core guys in the club are just the guys that are always into it. No matter what, they're not like fair weather hobbyists that are just into something for right now. They're, they're kind of into it full time, you know? Yep. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's the way it's been with kind of a local group here in Vegas of people, you know, it's like, you know, I, the, the club drama was too, was kind of too much for me. It's, it's a little, it's a little, it gets a little squirrely for me. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm just more like I'm hanging out with whoever I hang out with and, and, and who we get along with. So sometimes, you know, clubs can sour some things, you know, but, uh, you yeah, know, for us, that was the biggest thing was like, hey, man, you know, there's no limitations to who you, who you can hang out with. Yeah. You know, that was that was one of my biggest things, because it's like, dude, we're all we're all slightly um, dumb because we spend so much money on this little car. <laughs> right. We're all you know? the same and idiots. Yeah. yeah, we're all the, we're all the same crazy. So it's like, dude, why am I going to hate on somebody just because they're in a ball hop? Like just because it's not my thing. No, man, like. I know a bunch of dudes that have Bajas that are, you know, probably some of the coolest people around. So, um, no, it just, it just kept, it just kept evolving and changing. And, you know, the business came, the business came first and then the club, the club jumped off, you know, we started as a cult and, uh, uh, you know, the secret society and then it kind of took off from there and now it is what it is. So, yeah. Now, it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff in Austin who works with you, man. He was up here at one crazy weekend last year, wasn't he? And, yeah. uh, he, uh, he, he, I think he walked away with some hardware. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He took it. He took his, he took his, uh, his, uh, his love hate relationship, uh, his car, that car. I don't know, man. For some reason that car did not want to, it didn't, didn't want to go together. It didn't want to play nice. And it was always something going on and problems with this problems with that. So that car actually got the name breaky blue. Um, but he finally got it. He finally got some of the bugs worked out of it. Took it up to your show, had a great time. Uh, took away some, took away some hardware and was super pumped. You know, I mean, that's honestly, I think that's probably that dude's first, uh, first win at a show. I think. Well, what's fu- what's funny is, you know, some people may like when I when we look at cars for picking a top twenty, the first thing the car's got to do is like it's got to have a look, right? And then, yep. depending on the look and how it's built, like it's got to follow. <laughs> so if a car has kind of a, let's say like a just a, it's just got a patina vibe right but does it all like is there cool custom touches throughout and it's not about the super high detail polished plated and chrome stuff it's about the attention to detail the style behind it and things like that because we had one dude that was mad <laughs> one guy was mad last year he had like he had like a billet bug with widened fenders and he was real upset at the award award show because he didn't pick and i said the top 20 are picked by the people like like my, my brother and I walk around and we pick our favorite cars, like the cars that we look at that kind of, they're unique, That's they're different. Spark they're an interest. Correct. You know what I mean? And so, uh, I, I thought it was super cool, super cool build, man. Just, uh, just had a lot of cool style to it. And so, um, uh, you know, I think sometimes- and trust me, man, I tried to help him build it and it was like, uh, you know, I, like I said, you nailed it on the head, man. I, everybody has their own style and Austin's style is funky. He likes, he likes really bright colors. He likes that funky vibe. So, you know, trying to help him actually was probably a good thing for me. Cause it was like, Hey, you know what? It doesn't have to fit in my mold. 
and I get to have fun with, you know, helping him and, and just trying to, you know, maybe point out some different things. And it actually turned out really cool, man. I, th- I really dig that car. I think it's super cool. No, it's got, it's got a cool, it's got a cool vibe to it, man. And I, and I was, I was stoked to see how you how you reacted to to winning. You know what I mean? Because it's like when you put your heart and soul into something, it's one thing to put your heart and soul into something chasing a trophy. It's a different thing to put your heart and soul into something because you're you're chasing a vision, and then for it to get appreciated by people, I think that's a that's a huge part of the scene. You know what I mean? And and and, and I've always looked at the way people build their cars and just like in appreciate what they do, you know, because we get these cars that are just a blank canvas for us to express however we want to express our style on there. And uh, sometimes it resonates with people. Sometimes it doesn't. And, and I don't think like, I don't build my cars for people. I build my cars for, for the vision that I have of, of what I want to see. And if they're done and people like it, that's just a bonus. Like, ah, oh, that's cool, man. It's yeah. cool that these guys like that style and they think it's got a cool look to it. So you know, you and can, when you get that, and when you get that love from, you know, especially guys or, or, you know, there's a couple of ladies out there building some dope cars too, but you know, when you get that love back from them and you know that they work just as hard as you do and they're like, dude, that car is sick. You know what I mean? I really love the way that looks, or I really like this, or I really like that. Like that's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big, a big pat on the back without really, you know, Oh yeah, hundred percent. With just with just a innocent innocent comment, you know, I mean that goes long ways with that stuff. Yeah, no, he he did a he did a rad job on that car, man. So I mean, Arizona's Arizona's always been doing kind of different cool stuff, man. And uh, you know, sometimes the, the, us desert boys don't get the recognition. Yeah, well, yeah, I, we ain't we ain't got the palm trees and the love, man. We're missing that. <laughs> but we got t- we got tumbleweeds and dust. But, you know what I mean? That's what we got. Yeah, but I think I think in the same respect, you know, there's there's the unique styles that come out of every region, you know, and we're yeah. we're we're definitely not, you know, Vegas or Arizona is definitely not the cow look capital. That's for sure. No. You know? No, and that's what everybody knows is a Volkswagen anyways, right? Because it, it that movement lasted so long uh, with so many influential cars that we all looked at Hot VWs or VW Trends or any of those magazines, and they were there. You know what I mean? That was a cover car. So yeah. that's kind of what we know. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's definitely something that makes our hobby uh, pretty unique. You know, and the other thing, that the, the big thing about it is just like the people. You know what I mean? Like the people are what make it genuine. And, and those that are into the hobby, they're in it, they're still in it, and they, they probably won't go anywhere because it they're not in it for – they're not in it seeking approval by people. They're in it because they love the hobby. You know? Yep, exactly. So, they're diehards. Well, cool, man. Well, I, you know, anything else you think – anything else we didn't cover, man, that you, you want to uh, – that you wanted to bring up? No, man, I think that pretty much covers, you know, my, uh, my evolution in the scene and right. And when I'm still not done, I mean, I'm still, I still got things I want to build and, you know, hopefully, uh, we get, uh, we got a type 34 we've been working on. Hopefully that one comes out here in the next few years and it'll be, uh, that one will be totally different than anything else we've done. So we'll, we'll nice. just see if we can't keep pushing it that way. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I like seeing that, man. I, you know, and a type 34 is a hard car to do and get crazy with without ruining it. You know what I mean? Like, you, Oh you, yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause it goes bad in a hurry. We've laid some things out and I'm like, no, we cannot do that. That's not, no, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, it looks, sounds really good and fine in theory, 
you kind of just kind of rough lay something out and you're like, uh, no, looks terrible. Not doing that. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I, I don't know whose it is, but I saw one with bug headlights in it on the side and I was like, nope. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they turned them sideways and I was just like, yeah, it's not hitting it is not no. doing it. Just nope, you missed it. Missed it by that much with that one. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely some things that, uh, that you well, can there's do. just lines on that car that you can't mess with. And then there's other, th- you know, it's a, like you said, it's a tough one, dude. It's a, it's a razor's edge for sure. I mean, the razor Gia gets his name for a reason, you know, other than, other than the body lines. Yeah. And, and if you really look at that car closely, like with the wheel arches and stuff like that, there's the, you know, the stance that it sits on has got to be, it, it's got to have a, a decent rake on it. Otherwise it may look like the back is lower than the front because the way that the, the way the car thins yeah. out towards the rear, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that has to go into doing one that, that looks cool, but yeah, I've, I've got well, one. Well, you know me, that thing's going to be on the floor. That's the only <laughs> way we do it. Well, I, I'm excited to see it, man. And, and hoping to see you guys do something, uh, do something out of the box. When are you anticipating that car will be done? Uh, that one, I don't, we really haven't even set a timeline for that car. Um, we just got it back from getting the exhaust and the intake built for it. Um, actually went down to Tucson to Mark Hansen, actually Johnny, one of Johnny's buddies. Yeah. Um, actually the guy that builds a bunch of parts for Johnny for the race car. Um, he did that stuff for us just cause we had a bunch of ideas and kind of threw him out there and he was like, yeah, dude, I can do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so we just sent it down there and got that done while we were working on some other stuff. So hopefully here in the next, uh, you know, six months or so, we'll really pick a, uh, pick a direction and make some hard decisions and, and start pushing and, 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 uh, you know, if you follow me on social media, that car will be popping up here shortly with, uh, with the stuff that we're doing on it. And we'll see, we'll see where we go. Well, right on. People want to get in touch with you. Where do they get in touch with you? At? So I'm, I'm mainly on Instagram. I mean, I am on, I am on Facebook. Uh, you can look me up Levi. We're on Facebook or you can look me up Pandragger products on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much where you'll find me. Well, cool. And anybody wants to get in touch with you, they can DM you. They can uh, hit you up on Instagram and uh, and kind of connect through that and anything they're looking for in respect to air beams. So like that. I dig the uh, blackout light covers that you're out of stock on. Those are pretty rad. They're not my style, yeah. but I think they're freaking rad looking. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I did, I did those because I thought they were super cool. And then, and actually, I did a few for, uh, for a few drag race guys just because uh, they still have buckets up front. Uh, obviously no headlights so we just built that so at least it's it's still fills the pocket and looks the part right right yeah no there's a lot of, there's lots of cool stuff man so if you guys want to check out pandraggers.com go to his website check it out and uh levi man i appreciate you coming on brother and i look forward to seeing you here in in this i, I i'm trying to get down there for the show uh the first show that's going to be on april 2nd which is my son's birthday so we're going to see if i can make it to that to that i supposedly the last uh the, the last phoenix bugging i don't know or bug around we'll see we'll see yeah we'll see what happens yeah it's my birthday weekend too so i don't know if i'll be around <laughs> uh, but if i am I'll, I'll try to catch you well for sure brother well thanks for coming on the podcast man you bet man thanks for having me like that podcast and i know you did make sure you share it with your friends copy and paste the link that you heard this podcast on and send it to a group text of all your VW enthusiast friends. Make sure they know about Let's Talk Dubs because we're trying to grow this as organically as possible by the listener. So I appreciate anything you guys can do. If you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and click on the merch tab, pick up some merch, support your favorite podcast. Well, for me, I'm out of here. As you guys listen to this, again, I'm in London and I'm checking out the Volks World Super Show. We'll have tons to report and a lot of cool interviews from across the pond. So until next week, guys, later.